0: This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters
1: Without Orders.
0: Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we discuss what made news, what didn't and some things that absolutely shouldn't have. I'm your host Akansha Kumar and joining me in the studio in Delhi is my colleague Deeksha Munjal. Hi Deeksha. Hi Akansha. Also joining us is Tabina Anjum from Jaipur, a senior journalist who has reported on gender and politics, and we'll be discussing her latest story on the economic impact of the incident that happened in Indore in August, where a Muslim bangle seller was thrashed, and how that has led to fear and paranoia across the Hindi heartland. We'll begin by discussing Deeksha's story on the media coverage of two incidents that were the centre of attraction over the weekend. While the Narcotics Control Bureau uh, raided a party uh, on a cruise liner in Mumbai and also arrested Aryan Khan, uh, son of Shahrukh Khan, a day later it was the visuals of violence inflicted on farmers in Lakhimpur Kheri that caught everyone's attention. Obviously, since Shah Rukh Khan's son Aryan was under the scanner in the raid by NCB, that's what kept our news anchors busier this weekend. I'll begin by asking you, Deeksha, firstly, if you can just take us through the coverage on English channels and which story were they actually leading with before the farmers' protest uh, you know, took over the news cycle on Sunday?
2: Uh, the channels were particularly interested in, of course, the NCB uh, drug case, because one of the eight people who were arrested were, was Aryan Khan. A lot of them, like a lot of the English channels did not even care to mention that it was one of the eight people that was Aryan Khan. It was, they were always leading with Shah Rukh Khan's son, Aryan Khan has been arrested. Uh, you know, they didn't even care to mention the other names. Some of them, of course, did, but that was the whole hype around, you know, this Bollywood drug cartel, Bollywood drug nexus, this, that whole uh, Sushant Singh, uh, Rajput controversy was regurgitated, of course, both on Times Now and Republic. And when it came to Republic, uh, it didn't even care to cover the Lakhimpur incident on Sunday. To- it totally blacked it out. Uh, whereas it deployed a huge team of reporters in Mumbai in all locations, be it the NCB office, the uh, Kila court or the JJ hospital where he was taken for a medical examination. And, you know, interestingly, it even sent a reporter to Shah Rukh Khan's residence, Mannat. And the reporter showed that, hey, there are fans here who are gathering to see Shah Rukh Khan. But not even one, like if you, you could not send a reporter, I get it. But then not even one stringer was in Lakhimpur and uh, Lakimpur was not even given coverage on Sunday. It was only on Monday morning that Lakhimpur was discussed on Republic. That too, you know, allegations of opposition parties that they are doing political tourism. And not the fact that there were nine, eight people who had lost their lives. Right. And
0: listeners, you can read Deeksha's story on newslaundry.com. The title of the story is Aryan Khan versus Lakhimpur Khiri. Guess what made the news? So, Deeksha, your story also delves deeper into what kind of supers or slugs a TV jargon that is used for tickers that appear on left or right panel of the television, the kind of slant that was evident even in those supers and uh, slugs was quite evident. And even as the story was about farmers killed allegedly by a vehicle driven by a BJP minister's son, it was the opposition again that was being blamed for the mess. Tell us, how did the channels manage to deflect the blame from the ruling party?
2: Okay, so you could easily see that uh, even the supers that you're talking about, for example, uh, let's say on News 18, it said kahangama. not the fact that the violence was not exactly you know, we didn't know that day what the actual story on the ground was, and eight people had died. But it was always kisanon ka hangama, kisanon ka baval, kisanon ka akrosh, and it was always the fact that farmers were angry. And even on Z News and India TV, it said, "Look at the smoke belching out of these two vehicles. These two vehicles were burnt by the farmers." Despite saying that there was no image of protesters who died. Not even once were they mentioned in that uh, in these two channels and the fact that two cars had been burnt was more important for the channel than four people having died. So there was absolutely no empathy
0: for the farmers who were killed in the accident nor was there any attempt to verify or establish the identities uh, of the victims or
2: who was behind the accident in that case like uh, ajay mishra and ashish mishra their interviews were being played up more and based on their statements farmers were farmer representatives were being questioned that hey they are saying we were not on the spot how are you saying that our people were killed so the fact that there there are no they have no ground reporters there are no people on the ground but based on just two politician statements they are questioning the protesters saying who incited the violence because they are not they are saying we were not on the ground
0: So coming back uh, uh, to the point where you said that, uh, you know, it was only on Monday morning Hmm. when they started focusing on Lakhimpur as a story. In terms of uh, deployment of reporters or resources, usually what happens is that by the time the reporter reaches the ground, Channels usually resort or are dependent on footage or bytes from ANI. Hmm. Uh, So between Sunday and Monday, and by the time they decided to, you know, make it a prime time debate, what was the, you know, bulletin uh, structure like?
2: It is interesting that you mentioned ANI. I mean, no, I don't mean to divulge, but ANI itself like didn't even tweet a single tweet on the incident until after three hours of it happening. So for the channels to not pick up footage from ANI was another thing that there was no footage from ANI until three hours after the incident. And even after ANI did, you know, tweet, a single tweet about it, the footage that was being played was again, like as far as I noticed, was again of the cars being burned. There was another footage in which some people were seen beating up someone with lattes. And the channels were, uh, of course, uh, quick to assume that it was protesters beating the BJP side.
0: Right. And not just uh, the coverage by the channels Mm -hmm. uh, came under scrutiny Mm -hmm. in this particular uh, case. On Twitter, there was a lot of angst regarding uh, one particular headline by the newspaper Dainik Jagran that referred to farmers as Upadravi. And it was a front page uh, headline right uh, a day after the incident. So clearly this bias towards certain uh, party and this lack of objectivity in terms of reporting the protest as we've seen uh, since the days of anti-CA protests is quite evident. Very evident. But in terms of deployment of reporters, did you also see that probably more resources were deployed to, you know, continue the uh, new cycle in the direction of where this probe around Aryan Khan was going, which was only for a few grams of cocaine, uh, which was being described as the biggest uh, cartel burst. burst, But uh, I mean, it was just for a few grams of cocaine and there were others who were involved. In terms of deployment of reporters and resources, was there something evident that uh, what exactly was the priority for channels?
2: Yes, when it came to both Hindi and English, you know, national news channels, there were reporters following cars. There were reporters everywhere. Each channel at least had six to seven reporters spread across locations in Mumbai. They were following the ambulance, which was taking uh, you know the you know Aryan Khan for the medical test. They were following Gauri Khan's car, supposedly, which was Gauri Khan's car, and assuming oh she is she going to the lawyer? Is she going to the NCB office? Then they were there outside the NCB op- office throughout the day, throughout Sunday, speculating what was happening inside, whether or not he will be arrested, whether or not he will be released out on bail. It was very clear that a major proportion of their resources and time was de- were devoted towards. The NCB uh, drug case, which according to them was the biggest news story. You know, for example, News18 saying Mumbai se aaj sabse badi news story hai, and clearly it was very sensational for them, and they had to deploy all their resources uh, to that case instead of focusing on Lakhimpur. And even interestingly, when it came to Lakhimpur, somehow, like you said, they managed to deflect the blame or even the conversation did not divulge in the direction of the ruling government in there or the people who were responsible or the ministers, the convoy of ministers who was going. So uh, even the primetime debate on Times Now on Sunday, uh, the anchor said the the clashes between police and protesting farmers. And then a farmer representative was quick to correct her and say, why are you not mentioning that the clashes it did involve workers of the BJP? You are saying that the clashes were between protesting farmers and the police. And again, channels were actually commending uh, the Uttar Pradesh government, Yogi Halitinath government, for diffusing the situation by sending the ADG there. There were three points of conversation. One, that farmers had uh, committed arson and uh, what do you say, vandalism. These were the words used. The fact that opposition was doing political tourism. And third, that you The UP government was quick to come and save the situation by deploying huge security there because politicians coming could be a threat to the law and order situation. So that whole narrative was shifted in a way that the main topic of the elephant in the room was not addressed. And it's something that
0: we have observed uh, since 2019 Hmm. that uh, sections of media make a concerted effort to delegitimize protest or any voice of dissent against uh, the government. So be it the Shaheen Bagh protest against the Citizenship Amendment Act or be it this year-long protest by farmers, there's always an attempt to demonize some very common people who want to be heard, and they have a set of demands that are uh, consistently ignored uh, by the government. In this particular case, uh, what was the quality of debates like, and who were the guests, uh, who were the panel members, and what were these discussions like?
2: So, uh, when it came to the farmers, of course, uh, a lot of the Hindi channels like had panelists who called them dangai, and not even uh farmers and for and even like uh sudir uh, on z tv they said he continued to say that these are not real farmers these are not real farmers farmers are not like this farmers are in the farms these are so you know this whole thing about how these are not real farmers and even the prime time debate last night or the day the night before that on republic Arnab again regurgitated khalistan he his whole debate was based around the fact that there was this one person who was wearing a T-shirt, you know, that he found object of offensive, and he kept you know the focus on that. And of course, uh, on Sunday there were very less prime time debates on this particular uh, like Lakhimpur Kheri incident because it was still a developing story. Uh, yeah. But apart from that, like there was there there has always been like you said since 2019 a concerted effort effort to delegitimize the, the the protest. That's why I'm uh, whenever uh, like I'm saying that the coverage on India TV News 18 Z, Z News, all of them were trying to only show visuals that were that would that were showing farmers that in would the, portray farmers yeah, in a bad in a light. bad light. And the, the 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 funniest thing for me was that all of them were. So worried about two cars being burnt, like they were playing the visuals on loop of the cars uh, that were two cars, two SUVs that were burning, to say that okay, these people who were who you you can see with sticks, lathis, swords, they are burning the cars because that is that is the kind of anger they have towards the ruling government. Of course, one anchor of course said that uh, it was a pre-election bulletin, UP pre-election bulletin, and she only spoke about how this whole issue is political. The the whole issue is being created just because the convoy who supposedly ran over the protesting farmers was belonging to a BJP leader.
0: And uh, there was one particular anchor uh, who was trolled quite badly for suggesting that, uh, oh, you can see that the windshield uh, of the car is already broken. Uh, so this should also be investigated, yeah. uh, which which is quite, uh, you know, uh, symptomatic of the fact that they want to jump to the conclusion and say that, uh, hey, it's only farmers uh, who are the culprits in this case. Yeah. Uh, when the... Details of the entire incident are still not out. Uh, we have learnt that there was a clear provocation mm-hmm. from the union minister himself who while addressing a public gathering in the same area a, f- a few days ago actually challenged farmers saying that, you know, those showing black flags to us I will show them their, for want of a better word, I will show them their rock mm-hmm. And he uh, said I'll discipline them. Yes, and, and that they will not stay here. So definitely there was a lot of anger and and as a reporter, as a journalist, even though you are an anchor Mm -hmm. sitting in an air conditioned newsroom, it is your duty and responsibility to connect the dots, to give that background to your viewers to help them understand why the situation uh, went out of control, which mm-hmm. was clearly not, not, not done.
2: Yeah. And I, these questions were not asked at all. Only the interview of those ministers was being played, the minister and his son was being played. Who was saying that the part of the interview where he was calling farmers are, uh, anarchists was also being played up again and again. And then the farmers are being asked, he is calling you an anarchist, he was just going for his event. He was just going with the chief guest for the event. It was you guys who, you know, incited the violence. That was the cha- that is that is the kind of question that was being asked to farmer representatives, and you could also see uh, ju- just what you were talking about in the case of the, the local journalist who died. The Archtak reporter who went to question the journalist's father actually asked him that you don't have to kill your son And he said, no, my son has to kuchla. something. He said, no, but he will kill to son with your son. Post-mortem report said he And he said post-mortem report didn't come out. So that whole thing about how farmers beat up the journalists, they were trying to, you know, deflect the blame and say that the journalist was beaten up, while the, whole, the, the journalist's own father is saying, no, he was being run over. He was not beaten up by the protesters. So that whole, you know, as a reporter, there was no sense of, objectivity in terms of the questioning or the kind of narratives that were being built around the whole violence. Right, right. So uh, that brings us to the
0: second segment of this uh, podcast, uh, where uh, I'll be discussing recent story done by Tabina for article 14.com. The title of the story is Muslim Bengal salesman attacked in August still in jail. Others like him scared to travel. So, Tabina, we've also been following the story of Taslim, the Bengal seller who was thrashed in Indore in August. And now uh, he is in jail because after, uh, you know, one of his attackers, his daughter, filed a complaint related to molestation. So, Poxo was invoked and he is in prison. But your story takes this, that narrative further and uh, helps us understand uh, the ripple effect of this mob violence and how it is damaging the livelihoods of those uh, who usually look forward to festival season and move across uh, the Hindi heartland states of UP and Rajasthan and MP to sell bangles to women. Firstly, tell me you know, since it's been a month uh, after the incident came to light, you spoke to Taslim's family. What was, uh, you know, your reaction after talking to them? And how are they coping uh, with the situation? How has this incident impacted their life?
1: So Akansha, um, the story on Taslim that I recently reported for Article 14, it's a forward story. And I really wanted to follow and see what's happening after a month. And to be precise, after 45 days. So it's one and a half months now. The incident took place on August 22nd, and today is like October 6th, and he's still in the jail family is devastated. He has a wife and he has five children who are back in Birajmo where he lives. It's a village in Hardoi city of Uttar Pradesh. And his one brother, Jamal, who is still in Indore, is like, you know, running from pillar to post to manage that he is out on bail. I mean, he goes to the court, he goes to the lawyer's place, he visits police station, he is clueless. He's also devastated, but he has stayed back in Indore and he's waiting for his brother to come out. So when I pursued this case and I thought of, you know, writing a story on a forward moment, I had no idea. I spoke to the family and... Uh, they were like you know it's 45 days and he was only the lone breadwinner in our family he used to earn well and this was the time when he used to earn well and they were like hand to mouth there were hardly any other you know source of income his livelihood was bangle selling and august september october is the peak season you know where uh where most of the sales are done i mean because of because it's the hindu festive time so the I spoke to many, uh, I spoke to his family. He has five children, you know, eldest is eight-year-old, the youngest is two-year-old, you know, five. He has three daughters, two sons. Wife is also 24, 25. She's also young. He himself is 25. They're back in village and they have no idea what's happening in Endor. Then I spoke to bangle sellers also from his village. Some of them who were accompanying him who were in the same room in indore he shared a room with them in indore when the incident took place on 22nd august and after the incident i mean almost everyone was scared and they came back to their native village only his brother stayed back because he had to stay back so that you know he could bring his brother back home so they told me like you know we since the incident took place we have come back to the village now we're not going anywhere we are very scared to move out because we never know you know how we'll be treated because we are muslims and you know this incident has happened because you know uh, had we been locals maybe had we been from a majority. Uh, you know community maybe this incident wouldn't have happened but it happened because you know we were muslims so they're very reluctant to go out they're very scared and this has impacted their livelihood because they used to make sale of around you know 80000 90000 60000 rupees and they used to sell bangles and they used to make profit of around 25 30000 in this october month because of Karvachot, you know uh, raksha bandhan diwali Sera navratri you know all these festive times so but they are unable to do that they're unable to step out so this is the first thing you know how this one incident has you know impacted in a way entire village and not only his village nearby villages also in lucknow city you know so this is what i found after i spoke to his family and uh, the fellow bangle sellers yeah
0: what exactly are the apprehensions of Bengal sellers in other districts like uh, lucknow Unnao, now luckimpur and sitapur like uh, because usually they also move around in groups uh, so what is kind of holding uh, them back and
1: you know from yeah. your story so usually yeah you're right they move in groups they move with like you know 20 30 people going to haryana going to Rajasthan, to MP, to Gujarat, to other places. But the apprehensions are because, you know, they think, see they are semi-educated they are they aren't very educated they're very very scared that you know maybe somebody will stop them and ask them about their religion because they told me that you know now you know whenever they enter any village even the nearby village and you know they're asked you know one of the bangle sellers told me that he's been asked and not only him his fellow bangle sellers have been asked whenever he told me this never used to happen before it's happening now so this is something new they are facing and they're very very scared because see it was not Taslim's uh, incident alone you know just after Taslim's incident another hawker you know if we, in Madhya Pradesh's Devas he was selling toasts on road he was beaten up by two men because he failed to show his Aadhar card you know So, I mean, you know, it's not one such incident. It's one incident after another incident that, you know, eventually lead to such scare in bangle sellers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, here, uh, I'm
0: just reminded of a story done by Scroll reporter Vijayta Lalwani, who had actually uh, explained why they also document these incidents in the form of videos which tend to go viral because uh, the idea is to you know establish that fear and make sure that it is well ingrained among muslims And uh, I find it quite ironical that, you know, for a state like UP, whose chief minister is claiming in ad after ad that, you know, they have uh, facilitated uh, small businesses in a way never done before. They brag and boast about their rankings in terms of ease of doing business. Uh, There is a certain section whose entire livelihood has been destroyed. And yet there is a sort of no grievance uh, redressal mechanism in place. Help us understand, Tabina, as you know, you have also quoted uh, Christopher Jaffer a lot. Why are these vigilante groups targeting the economic uh, lifeline of Muslims? What is the message that they are trying to send?
1: see when i spoke to Christoph, i mean i explained him the story and we had a long chat and he told me like ali's story is revealing of three dimensions of the new normal in today's india and then he said that the first one is the attempt at breaking the back of Muslims economically, the tendency of police to transform Muslim victims into guilty men, and third, systematic denial of the ruling party, which claims that it deals with all communities in the same way. So I mean, for someone like him, to put it in this way, it makes itself clear that, you know, economy is the backbone of any community. And The daily wagers, I mean, the daily wagers, the vendors, you know, if you break them economically, if if their livelihood is impacted, I mean, you know, they are socially, economically, they'll be, you know, they'll get backward and, you know, they won't have the uh, strength or guts to stand up. I mean, it's very, it's very easy to break, uh, you know, a community like that. So, I mean, you know, and it further leads to more ghettoization because, you know, you're very scared to move out. You're very scared to mingle with other groups, you know, because imagine, you know, this Ali's story, we have to understand that why did this happen? You know, allegedly, why did this happen? His brother, other Bengal sellers, tell me that when he was beaten up, now, I don't know if it's right, it's wrong, but there are videos which, are, uh, which have gone viral and police is investigating the case. But the bystanders his brother the other people who were with him they say that you know they said that you know we are attacking you because we are taking badla of bang this bombay bazaar incident so what happened in B- bombay bazaar incident was Two Dalit women were accused of being friends with an upper caste Hindu. It, and Bombay Bazaar is a market in Indore Bazaar. And it had just happened a few days ago. So, you know, I mean, it was just in, um, you know, what do you say? It was just after this that he was attacked. So, you know, one incident is leading to second incident. Second incident is leading to third incident. Third is leading to fourth and further, you know, if it's a village in UP that got affected, it's not just one village in UP. There are many bangle sellers also across the districts of Uttar Pradesh. Rajasthan has also got affected. MP has also got affected because I'm sure it's not only, you know, there are not only uh, villagers in UP who go out and sell bangles. In Rajasthan also, you know, we have people who sell bangles. Because Lark is manufactured here. You know, Jaipur is famous for Lark and minority community deals with it. And similarly, you know, they go to Indore. So, I mean, it's it impacts entire Hindi heartland. The idea is that, you know, if you see how it impacts, it impacts entire Hindi heartland.
0: And to give our listeners uh, some more background, uh, you know, I would also recommend to... Uh, watch this explainer video done by Onindio uh, for NewsClick, where he has, uh, you know, got access to this data from CMIE, uh, which is an organization that keeps a track of jobs and employment, uh, you know, uh, employment opportunities on a monthly uh, basis. And since the lockdown, uh, you know, there is data that suggests that while Muslims who are usually a larger part, uh, they form a larger chunk of the gig economy or the informal economy have somehow managed to survive. Those from the majority community who were in jobs, uh, you know, whether it was contractual jobs, uh, or, you know, jobs in private sector, uh, but had to bear the brunt of the second wave of pandemic are suddenly out of jobs. And Perhaps these incidents also reflect that anger and that frustration because it will come out on your easily available target, which might be a Muslim bangle seller, a Muslim dosawala, uh, and or or any regular guy who's uh, who just has a beard and wearing a skull cap, and you want to vent it out, and he is your uh, easily available target. Um, and of course, uh, since elections are drawing near, uh, the real issues won't be a subject of discussion, even among uh, the political class. And these incidents will be raked up again and again to project Muslims as the monster one needs to be beware of. Tabina, you have also spoken to some of the uh, you know, uh, opposition party yeah. members in UP. And uh, while I was reading your story, uh, I was also reminded uh, of, you know, this conversation I had with Umar Gautam's wife. uh, Umar Gautam, who's uh, the main accused in uh, anti-conversion racket, uh, so-called anti-conversion racket uh, by the UPATS. And his wife also asked me uh, that, you know, there are so many other issues. There are issues of shortage of hospital beds, shortage of oxygen, people are out of jobs, there, is, there are issues related to unemployment and yet conversion has suddenly become the headline. So uh, tell us about the political aspect of it. How do such incidents uh, help the politics endorsed by BJP stay relevant?
1: So, unfortunately, I wanted to get in touch with uh, the Home Minister, but, you know, Home Minister is the Chief Minister of Uttar Pradesh and would have not uh, given a quote. So, I spoke to a couple of uh, BJP leaders who were ready to speak on this issue, who who agreed to speak on this issue, were reluctant uh, earlier. And they were like, you know, uh, no, no, these are all, all irrigations, you know, BJP is... BJP is eyeing for development. So there is no point of othering. That's what they claim. Like, there is no point of othering. We take everybody together, we take all communities together. That's what uh, deputy state president of BJP told me. So just after this, I spoke to the Congress spokesperson also who, of course, accused uh, BJP of, you know, this fair psychosis. You know, he said that, you know, they're spreading the environment of fair and, you know, it's the government's responsibility to protect fundamental rights and stand with the greed but BJP stands with those who strike fears in others and divide people in the name of Hindu Muslim. So he also, you know, this spokesperson also accused BJP of distracting public attention from the economic downturn after COVID-19 because, because you know, he said that it's, uh, it's the unfortunate time and, you know, government is not helping even those who are trying to do business and earn livelihood and their approach with such people is even you know it's uh, affecting the livelihood Ek to kisi ki help karo, to improve the livelihood and then your modus operandi, you know, it is also, you know, hitting the livelihood. So that's what he said, you know, both of them. And I spoke to one activist also from Rehaiman, and he told me about the cases in Uttar Pradesh. He said, like, it's not for the first time there has been cases before in Aligarh, in Muradabad, in Mehrat, in because he is uh, profiling such cases of you know Dalits and Muslims he closely works is working with the, these two communities there and he said he said that you know this is an on economy of Muslims so that you know you get scared to go out in public and community is gradually ghettoized so these were the people I spoke to other than the family the bangle sellers and yeah
0: uh, Deeksha, would you like to ask something uh, from Tabina? Do you have any questions?
1: Yeah,
2: so Tabina, at any point while you were reported on the ground for this, did you feel that there was an impact from the media coverage around Muslims also? Because we could see that since the Tabrigi Jamaat incident, there were reports that Uh, You know, even on news channels, there were panelists who demonized the community and even called for an economic boycott of the community. And of course, the attempt to delegitimize or demonize them started, has been there. But since then, uh, their livelihoods were impacted even more because the kind of media coverage is done around them.
1: Yeah, there has been an, uh, you know, media impact. I mean, there was a good reporting, you know, I could find good uh, express pieces and uh, some other pieces that which I have quoted in my story, which, you know, reported on this thing that Bombay Bazaar, how it impacted, how it, you know, led to this incident, you know, I won't see that, you know, there has been only one type of reporting in this case, I could find the both.
0: Right, that brings us to our last uh, segment where we'll share recommendations with our listeners. So, uh, uh, in this last segment, Tabina, we usually just share any latest book or show or video uh, that you would want our listeners to refer to or watch it. First, what will be your recommendation?
1: So, thank you so much, Akansha. Thank you, Deeksha. So, I'll be sharing this interesting book. Is by Christophe Jaffole, Modi's India. I've just started reading this and this is very interesting.
2: Right. Uh, Deeksha, what would be your recommendation? So, I'd like to recommend everyone to watch this uh, video interview that my colleagues Nidhi Suresh and Shivangi have done. They've interviewed the father of the journalist that you are talking about, the local journalist who lost his life in Lakhimpur on Sunday and his father has actually upset that the media the because of the kind of media reporting that is being done around his son and the death of his son so nidhi shreeesh's interview can be found on news laundry's official twitter handle and uh, it it is the it, video interview with the, the 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 father of journalist raman kashyap who died on sunday
0: right A book recommendation from my side would be uh, a book called The Last Bungalow by Arvind Krishna Mehrotra. So the book is about uh, the historical historical past of Allahabad, uh, which is my hometown. And uh, it's uh, for anyone who is from a small town, I think would be able to relate to uh, his uh, take on the, you know, uh, arch- not just the architecture, but how as, uh, you know, uh, things like railways and uh, post office, they were being introduced by the British uh, in certain towns and cities. Uh, w- that led to migration from across India, which uh, also explains how Allahabad became a hub of Bengalis and other communities. And uh, probably that's how, that's the kind of uh, economic uh, impact, a positive impact development should have. Uh, Not the kind that we are seeing uh, in the Hindi heartland uh, these days, where uh, a a certain community is ghettoized uh, in the name of fear and uh, they are out of uh, jobs and they are out of uh, their daily source of living. Uh, Thank you so much, uh, Deeksha and Tabina, for joining me for Reporters
2: Without Orders. If you're listening to this podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Google Podcast, or any other podcast platform, head on to newslaundry.com and check our spectacular podcast player. And while you're there, do check our ground reports, videos, interviews and a lot more.
0: And on that note, uh, this podcast is adjourned. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform.